workplace panel. I don't know about y'all, but I love this. I love that we have all these different types of folks in our church that, that care so deeply about what Jesus would care about and, and are willing to share their experiences and what God has done in and through their lives. Um, and testimony. So I'm going to have them kind of share with you who they are, um, their ethnicity. You know Deb now, but she didn't share you where she works really. So I um, would love her to share a piece of that and then we'll go on down the line who you guys are. Okay, so I am a lawyer. I spent about the first seven years of my career in government. I was a federal prosecutor at the U.S. Attorney's Office. Second seven years was at um, a large multinational law firm. Um, and now I've been in-house um, as general counsel at a Fortune 500 company for about six years. Uh, my name is Robinson Alexis. I am a chiropractor. I am originally from Haiti. I came to America as a... I don't know what you got out of that, but <laughs> really have all my nerves right now. <laughs> so I was saying my name is Robinson Alexis. I am a chiropractor. I am originally from Haiti. I came to America at a pretty young age as an undocumented immigrant. I've lived in Florida for a good portion of my life. Uh, came to Chicago around 2002. I've left a few times and come on back, but I've also lived in Memphis, Salisbury, Maryland. So Robinson and chiropractor. Hey, we got you that time, Doc. We heard you. Hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Hudson. I'm black, African-American, uh, originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. I went to um, school there at Ball State and then moved on to Cincinnati for my first job at CentOS. And then um, at LexisNexis as well in Ohio before going back to grad school at Notre Dame. I got my MBA there and then took an opportunity here in Chicago. So I came to Chicago at the end of uh, 2015. Um, so really love it here and uh, excited to be here today. Hi, I'm Jay, uh, originally from London. Um, I'm here in Chicago with my wife, and Aisha, and two kids. Um, again, born and raised in London. I moved to Philadelphia uh, for high school. Um, I had a basketball scholarship to go to a private school. Uh, then moved on to Oklahoma where I did my undergrad and graduate school and then moved back uh, to London and started working um, in corporate finance. So I was in fixed income. Um, now that I'm in Chicago, I made a transition probably about three or four years ago, and now I run uh, my residential uh, real estate business. And I'm happy to be here too. <laughs> I'm gonna let you keep that mic, Jay, since you got it. Um, when you think about, you, you've had a wealth of different experiences, and you're not even from here, and now um, you've worked in different places. Um, how has that, how have you been treated as a black man um, in, in corporate America and the different things that you experienced? I mean, what, what's that been like for you? How have you experienced matters of race on the workplace? Yeah, it's, it, it's been a difficult one, um, especially when I was in banking. So uh, quickly, when I was in banking in London, corporate, what I've experienced is the same in UK, Germany, France, and, and the United States. Um, it's dominated by white males. Um, and it's very difficult for people of color to actually break the ranks and make it to executives. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Um, in, when I was in uh, banking in London, I, I worked um, for Citigroup and another German investment bank, and I pretty much had to do three times the amount of work as my colleague, who I really liked, um, you know, to, to be recognized, and he was getting promotions above me, um, and it was, you know, it, 
it was just something that happens and I knew it was going to happen because of the color of my skin. Um, but at the same time, I had to just, you know, be at peace with myself and know that I had to continually work hard, um, not only for myself, but for people coming behind me also, um, and to try and change that narrative. Um, but it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult, you know, quote unquote, pill to swallow um, when you know you're qualified and you know you work hard, you meet deadlines, you do everything you can possibly do in order to get a promotion, and yet it doesn't come or it comes, you know, farther on down the line. Um, so it's very difficult. And then when I, when I moved to the United States, um, I was still in banking, but I was working for the firm back in London. Um, and then I decided to uh, go into residential real estate, um, wanting to do some investing and just learn the market. And it was the best thing for me to do while I was here in Chicago. But being in real estate can also be very difficult. Um, just securing clients, you know, some of my white clients are awesome. And, and some of the other ones who are not my clients, they're not so awesome because I didn't get the gig because I'm black. It's just the truth. I'm just speaking, I'm just speaking out loud. Um, one example that I can specifically speak on is I had a call to go to the Gold Coast, which is where my office is. And the lady didn't know me. She just knew I was turning up. And when I turned up and I saw the look on this lady's face, mm. um, I was like, wow. I actually said, wow. Because I knew she was, I was not going to get that client. I was not going to get that deal specifically because here's this six foot four black guy with a suit on um, who's just not going to get the deal because I'm black. Mm. Um, so again, that's difficult. So, you know, whether it's corporate or whether you're running your own business as an African-American or Afro-Caribbean, um, it's difficult. It's difficult. But at the end of the day, God is our provider. And hopefully within me, um, he can change that narrative of some people's minds. I would have loved to have a conversation with a lady, but it didn't even get there, um, to be honest. So, That's yeah, good. but you just got to keep moving and, and try to change the narrative and be intentional about it. That's good. That's good. How about you, Michelle? How, how's your experience? It's been a little different, but how's your experience been at, with race and the workplace and just you here in Chicago? Sure, sure. So I've actually had... Um, really great experiences through the course of my career, and I would say probably for two reasons, that is. Um, number one, just very early on in my life, I've generally been the only one, so I was the only African-American that graduated from my entire high school class, and so I just learned, um, or tried to learn how to just connect and to um, understand people's stories, and I've always been received well. Um, and then I would say one caveat to my professional career that I didn't mention earlier, I, God has really ordered my steps in a way that I've just had some amazing leaders in my life and some amazing African-American leaders in corporate America that are in very high positions that I reported to. And so there was a sense of trust there and support. And I, was, I felt very confident. I felt very confident to pursue my work. Um, so I would say my experiences have been amazing. And sometimes I will carry like that sense of, do I fit in or am I going to be received? And in actuality, I really am. And so there's no need to have a defense up. And there's um, an opportunity there to just carry my ministry with me and to be um, operating in love and looking to connect and, and to, um, to work well with others. That's good. That's good. Robinson, Robinson, the chiropractor, as you say, right? Uh, my brother from Haiti. And, and man, there's been a lot of controversy and a lot of things that have been said from our president and things about your country. Um, and as a black man in, in the States, uh, I just would love to hear, man, some of your experiences and just stories, just things about how, how you've had to work through or navigate that the system, the workplace, and just, just race here in the workplace. Well, um, I think for me, it might be a little different for you guys. I know you guys are on corporate America, so 
typically as a chiropractor, you work in more of like a small business setting, um, not as big of a staff or dealing as many people. But I've had three different places where I've, where I've worked since I've been practicing. And each of them has typically been a middle, upper middle class um, white environment. And so I'm typically the only person of color or black. So, mm. so it's not even a matter, they don't necessarily see Haitian at first. They just, they just say, okay, that's, that's just the black chiropractor, a black dude. And to be honest with you, you even see it in their face as soon as they come in. If they don't know me, they're just like, and even though they don't mean to come off the way, that's what I, that's what I always get. But I guess for me, in terms of my workplace, it's always, I'm, one of the things that I'm mostly afraid of is always being like, labeled as say racially sensitive right mm-hmm. so oftentimes when i'm when i'm in when i'm in an environment i'm the only um black person you hear people say things and i always have a uh, the hardest line for me to walk is deciding where i call like when i need to check somebody for saying something that goes too far yeah. or if you know people are gonna make jokes they're gonna say what they're gonna say just leave it at that um an example i'll give recently uh my girlfriend recently got me tickets uh I'm a huge basketball fan, Miami Heat, but <laughs> so tickets to the um, to the uh, Heat versus Bulls game. <laughs> so uh, this it was on Martin Luther King Day, so she was unaware that uh, I had to work that day. So went to talk to my employer, trying to see if we can kind of work out where I reschedule patient where I still can make the game, and. The first thing he said to me was, oh, you know, we don't, we don't recognize black holidays. Mm-hmm. Which, again, like, I didn't necessarily find that offensive as well, because that's, that's, that, that's that line. I'm always just like, oh, okay, he's just trying to be funny. Just leave it alone, because, again, you don't want to be that, you know, racially sensitive black dude, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but this is the problem when I don't check or when I don't say something. A few weeks later, after our president made the comment that he made regarding African nation in Haiti, um, the gentleman walks to my office and he says, good morning, asshole. Mm-hmm. You get me? So for me, at that moment, I was just like, all right, whatever. But, but it, it just shows you an example of like, okay, where I'm always just like, oh, man, should I have said something then or should I have said something now? And some of you guys may think and be like, oh, that's an isolated situation. But everywhere that I've, I've worked, it's, I've had similar experiences that happen quite frequently like that. I mean, if I can share another one, when I was in Salisbury, Maryland, doing what I call my preceptorship, which is just basically like, kind of like residency for chiropractors, uh, this one, the Trayvon Martin case was going around. And so I walk into the office with a hoodie, and one of the uh, senior clinician there proceeded to call me, hey, what's up, Trayvon Martin? You know, so, mm. so not only, like, yeah, you could, you could laugh at it, he thought he was funny, and, and no, I'm not labeling any of these individuals as racist, but I mean, I just don't think they realize the weight that their words carry. And especially when you're the only person of color in their situation, they just don't see it. They just like. Mm, mm. So it's like a deep seated ignorance, but, but yeah. in a way, you know, that, that, that still is. It, it's very so. common in something that I typically deal with or see on a regular basis. Mm, mm. Dev, how would you respond to all of this in, in the workplace? Well, I mean, the first thing, this, this is the story that. Robinson told in the first service and um, what I want to say first to my white brothers and sisters is if that wasn't a punch in the gut you need to check yourself Mm. because those stories right there wrecked me in the first service we don't we don't practice this panel guys 
we get up here and we hear all this raw and it wrecked me. If someone called my children from Uganda shitholes, mm. I have no problem telling you what would happen to them. And it almost happened to Robinson's boss in the first service. Just kidding. <laughs> this issue strikes such a fire in me, and I don't think it's because I am something unique. I think it's because this is a Jesus issue, and this is how Jesus would respond to this. When he saw an injustice, he turned the tables over, guys. He didn't sit back and go, really sorry that happened to you, Robinson. It hit a nerve inside of him that was, you know, like it says in that verse, and I remember when I spoke in October, like a fire shot up in my bones. That's what I'm talking about. This is injustice, and I have no problem calling it racist, okay? Because what those people did in Robinson's life was they took him as a unique and God-made and beautiful Haitian man, and they categorized him to be any black man in this world. Oh, you're Trayvon Martin because you wore a hoodie. I call crap on that, okay? Um, and oh, we don't do black holidays. And to call him that S word, like, I am so outraged I don't have words, okay? Mm -hmm. So that is what I would share with you. Um, I can talk to you about how the legal world is a white man's profession, but I don't even really care about that. Right <laughs> I'm going to come back to you, all right? <laughs> Thank you so much. And Aisha just walked in, and she's like, please talk about the legal profession. Uh, yep, we're going we're to go to Jay, and we'll come right yep. back to that. So, Jay, just, uh, man, with that, we're talking about profession, and uh, what's some things that need to change? When you think about that, when you walk into your workplace, and you're like, man, I've had these experiences, you talk about what see what Robinson's been through, um, and you, I know you have a number of stories too. What's some things that should change in these environments? Um, ooh, it's a loaded question. Um, there's, there's so much um, that needs to be changed. So in, in terms of corporate, the thing that I think about most is it, it has to be from a, a top down, just in terms of giving uh, minorities the same opportunities. It, it has to happen at the executive level because really these are the folks who are making the decisions, right, to hire, who to hire. Um, and, and I think Deb uh, made the comment, or Michelle made the comment um, earlier saying it's actually the board, like it's the actual board of directors. It, it should go that high up, right? Um, so I, I, I urge, um, you know, executives and, and board members who are Christian, who are right, hey, let's push that agenda, right? Let's, let's push hiring uh, minorities based on their qualifications, not on what they look like. Um, you know, I said earlier, affirmative action. I haven't read about affirmative action in a long time. But for me, I don't like affirmative action, affirmative action because it just ticks a box. So you have all these executives and everybody else, oh, hey, we got to get some black people in. Hey, tick a couple boxes, and then that's it. As opposed to actually getting people in of color and being a diverse firm and actually giving us the same opportunities. Um, so for me, again, it, it starts at the top. And then also on the associate level, have these conversations. If you, if you have colleagues, you know, that, that are making ill remarks, you know, that Robinson is facing. You know, I've never gone through that. And, and to be honest, if it was me, I, I would check it right then and there. Maybe it doesn't come to me because maybe I'm a six foot four black guy. Some people are like, ooh, he might have something to say about that. <laughs> it hey, could Robinson be, and that's, and that's the truth. Uh, no, but Robinson is slow, I get it. But no, it, it's, 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 it's the truth. I'm speaking the truth here. You know, maybe, maybe I didn't get those comments because of that. 
Um, but they, they're wrong nonetheless. So, you know, if you're hearing some of these comments, yeah, you know what, stand up against it. You know, be Christ-like because Jesus wouldn't put up with that, um, as Deb said, right? So I, I just think it, it is a gospel issue and it goes back to the blood. It goes back to Jesus because he came, he died, rose again to yeah. reconcile us. Obviously reconcile us to God, number one, right? But reconcile us to one another. So therefore, if there's any division, we must try to get rid of it. And that goes for black people too, right? If black people, if, if blacks in here, if we have the same mentality, oh, white people this, white people that, you're wrong. You're wrong, plain and simple, right? So it's just not um, whites that I'm talking to. I'm talking to all of us here, right? We have to get rid of these, you know, derogatory remarks and, and prejudice, and we do, right? Because it's not Christ-like, period. Sorry, That's too long. Good. I think Robinson will get you back on the court, though, Doc, later, right? Deb, if you want to just share, just kind of give some more insight into just kind of, he's talking about the corporate world and things that are going on there on the other side of it, just you, you work for a company where you, you're able to, you know, see a lot of this happening and hiring and all that. So just get some more insight into that for us. Yeah, I do think that um, it can be harder for, in my, in my observations and what I've seen throughout my career, it can be harder for people of color to um, advance in um, corporate America or in law firms in the way that they deserve to. Um, my mentor of 20 years has been a lawyer about 35 years and she confronts this every single day because her white colleagues are throwing work back and forth and everybody's just kind of pretending she doesn't exist. She's a fantastic lawyer um, and so she's going from law firm to law firm to law firm to figure out who's going to value me for the voice that I bring to the table. Mm. Um, and then I look at where I am in my career today as general counsel at this company and um, we can bring together leaders in a room, the top 100 leaders of our you know, Fortune 500 company. We have 44,000 employees. And if I take the 100, um, maybe there's 100 of you in here and put them all in a room, there's one black, one black person. Um, and that's a problem for us, right? And I think we have the right people in leadership at our company who care about this and who are thinking about this. But in terms of how to make those changes, I would challenge those of you in this room who are leaders and are emerging leaders and are going to be leaders and you're gonna run these companies someday and you're gonna be on the board someday, make it a priority. And the example I would give is this. When I became general counsel, I had three openings on my staff. I had to hire a corporate paralegal, a securities attorney, an employment attorney. And I didn't have um, the resources like, to be able to do that internally. We had to go outside. So I hired a headhunter, and when we sat down to talk about the criteria for each of these positions that I needed to fill at our company, I said to her, don't you bring me all white people. I will reject that panel out of hand. You will bring me diverse panels so that I can consider the most qualified people for these positions. And when I put that challenge on them, you know, I saw them write it down, whatever. I didn't know if it would work or not, but guess who I ended up hiring for those positions? The most qualified people for those positions were an Indian woman, a Latina woman, and a black woman. Mm. And that's my team. And because I made that a priority, I got in front and said, bring me the diverse panel. I didn't wait and say, oh wow, my panel's all white men. I guess those are the most qualified. No, you have to push back and say, I know there are qualified MBA black women out there. Bring me her. I want her on my team. Okay, because that's the way we start to bridge this gap and that's the way we start to make a difference. The white boardrooms are never gonna change until we start demanding that they change. Mm. Mm. That's good, that's good.
Michelle, what, what's one thing you would say to your colleagues? I mean, if you're working in this workplace right now, and what's one thing if you could share with them as a black woman now in the workplace, how, what would you share with them? Sure. It's interesting in the U.S. in particular, we do look at um, race and ish in terms of black and white, but my dad always says, and I always remember this, there's only one race, and that's the human race, right? So red, yellow, black, white, there's what, four blood types? And I, I think we forget and we lose sight that, um, that we're all the same, essentially, at the end of the day. And sometimes it's just it's easy to focus on how we're different, but at the end of the day, we're, we're so much alike. And so I would tell um, my coworkers that I would tell them also that it's okay to have conversations and to talk and be curious. I shared earlier, when we think about Holocaust, um, we're horrified as we should be. And we're, there's you know curiosity and we're, we take time to delve into that. But when it comes to issues of black and white, it's really uncomfortable and it's awkward and people don't wanna say yeah. the wrong thing. And so mm -hmm. I think we have to apply that same kind of man, this is, this is bad, like this is, a, this is not a good situation, and be able to have conversations and, and talk through that. So that's one thing I would encourage um, my fellow coworkers and leaders to do. That's good. Well, Robinson, man, I want to end with you, but you, you, you have a, a unique experience even with your mentors and things of that nature, but you know, can you share a little bit about that and then just kind of end with why, why, why is this a gospel issue? Why is this a matter with Jesus, the workplace? So... Uh, I lived in Memphis. It's actually where I used to whoop up on Pasadena. Oh, on Pasadena oh. Court. Everybody that played with us know that's not true, right? Oh, yeah. uh, no. Give my opportunity. Take my shot. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, my mentor is a guy by the name of Jay Harville. And um, Jay is someone I met in Haiti doing a mission trip um, back in 2010 after the earthquake. And I ended up moving back to Memphis. And... This man, a white man from Memphis, can, can actually he can he cook can some burn barbecue. That is true. Yeah, he hooks it up. But the, the 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 thing about our relationship, you have you have this white man from the South, highly conservative, versus me. You know, growing up from another country, who I met him in another country, come here, and this guy allowed me took allow me to like live life with him. So allow me to watch him live with his wife and his three beautiful kids, and that cultivated something special that's besides color. So oftentimes, even like this panel, I, I feel uncomfortable for white people sometimes, right? Because often in this situation, right, you're sitting here, and then you're constantly telling, okay, you need to do better, you need to do better, white people. And sometimes you feel like you're being attacked, I imagine, right? But the only reason why I understand why someone might feel like they're being attacked is because of the relationship that I developed with Jay. I don't know if that makes sense. And because of that, Whenever, whenever I say it's like a fine line where I'm like, oh, should I check them? Because I know they don't, people don't always mean to be malicious in their comments. Yeah. But at the same time, too, what I would like people to do is to also try to put your, you know, walk in my shoes and understand when I'm talking about certain injustice in terms of pulling over, I'm not just saying this because I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? So I think that's, that's the one thing is just being able to live life with one another and just trying to see life from the other person's point of view. I think Mama did have something, something I, to I say do. over here. I, 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 triggered I, I, me. We're going to let her say something. This, ahead, sorry. Like I said, we don't plan for these things. It right. just kind of, it, it's, it's organic. Um, white people don't carry around guilt. That is not the point of this. The point of this is to rejoice in the equality of people in Jesus' name. Okay? I don't feel attacked by anything that Robinson said. I feel sad, but I don't feel attacked. 
And, and I think it's a beautiful thing that Robinson is so grace-filled that he has so much kind of, of the benefit of the doubt for we white people and how we screw up. I don't have the benefit of the doubt. You say something obnoxious about my kids or my, my loved ones around here, I'm going to check you. Okay, and it's, it's a burden for black people to have to carry that all the time. And do you hear how he talks about, like, I don't want you to think I'm racially sensitive? We live in a racist country, dang it. And we gotta fix that. And until we, the ones in power, because I think race is about power, I don't think black people can be racist, sorry, I mean, we may disagree on this panel, but racism is about power, and we, the white people, still have the power in this country. And so we need to be the ones that are reaching out as Jesus would have across the lines and saying to people, I won't stand for that anymore. I won't allow that. I won't allow that to continue. And so while I get Robinson at a deep level, and I am so grateful for the grace he's going to show me when I say something inappropriate sometime, but I hope that you will say to me, Deb, that comes from a place of, of sin in your heart, and you need to check that and root that out because I'm, I am vulnerable to it as well. That's Sorry, good. I had to have a last. That's good. No, that's good. I, I, Jay, Jay even hit, said something about that earlier. I, I mean, can you share that story and we'll end on your story about the, the pastor? Yeah, um, so I think it's several months ago, I was listening to Moody Radio, and I heard a, a, a white pastor um, say, uh, one of the reasons for racism in, in the way, you know, white culture feel generally about, you know, the minority culture is because the white church didn't treat sin, uh, didn't treat racism as a sin. Mm. And when I heard that personally, it, it opened up, just it answered so many questions that I had about corporate or about, you know, white Christian people. Like I used to think, obviously being in London, you used to see the evangelical Christians, you know, in, in the United States. And I used to think to myself, wow, like these people, they love Jesus, but they don't like black people. Like it does, it, I couldn't make the connection. And it, literally four months ago, this white pastor said that. I was like, wow, it was just like lights just came on. So it just goes back to being intentional. It goes back to, you know, these lines of division, let's take them away. Mm. And, and right, racism is about power. And we know that in the United States and most cultures around the world is dominated by white power. Um, so again, those in the church, those who you know, who are going to be executives, board directors coming up, you know, let's just remember what Christ came here to do, right? Amen. Reconciliation with him and with one another. Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So I, I think we can all agree that race in the workplace is a gospel issue. Amen. This is where uh, we should be intentionally crossing those lines with each other um, and seeking to get to know one another and seeing our workplaces change, which in, in turn affect our communities and our homes and our livelihoods. So I'm going to have.